The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta. At Delta Airlines, we're committed to donating 1% of our net profits to charities around the world. For more information about Delta, visit Delta.com. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, August 3rd. In today's news, Diane Black goes down in Tennessee. The National Archives throws the timeline for confirming Brett Kavanaugh in doubt. And Donald Trump Jr. compares Democrats to Nazis. But first, the big idea. Top national security officials appeared in the White House briefing room on Thursday to emphasize Vladimir Putin's continuing efforts to interfere in our elections and to vow that stopping him is a top priority in the run-up to November. The officials included Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats and National Security Advisor John Bolton. While they did not offer new details about any attacks or announce new policies, their show of unity, just steps from the Oval Office, was aimed at easing public concern about President Trump's public skepticism of Russia's intentions. Here's FBI Director Chris Wray. The reality is it's going to take all of us working together to hold the field because this threat is not going away. As I have said consistently, Russia attempted to interfere with the last election and continues to engage in malign influence operations to this day. This is a threat we need to take extremely seriously and to tackle and respond to with fierce determination and focus. Lawmakers and independent analysts say that U.S. voting systems are more secure against hackers thanks to action at the federal and state levels than they were in 2016. They say the Russians have not targeted those systems to the degree they did two years ago. But Russian efforts to manipulate U.S. voters through misleading social media postings are likely to have grown more sophisticated and harder to detect. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen said her agency is working hard to safeguard voting systems. She also called on states to do more to ensure that people can trust the outcome of the elections. With respect to the infrastructure piece, we have seen a willingness and a capability uh, on the part of the Russians. And so we are working very closely with state and locals to ensure that we're prepared this time around. Part of that is encouraging states to have auditability. So to get to that one part of your question, whatever happens, we want to assure Americans the day after that their vote was counted and it was counted correctly. So regardless of what might happen, we will be prepared. But we also want to make sure we have that auditability. But just hours after this show of unity, Trump told a Pennsylvania crowd at a rally last night that his efforts to broker better relations with Putin are being hindered by, quote, the Russian hoax. He used the word hoax repeatedly and again suggested that he does not believe Russia is trying to interfere in our elections. And as he said last week, if they are, they're trying to help the Democrats. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, a bipartisan group of senators unveiled a new bill that would put crippling sanctions on Russia. Among the Republicans on board, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, Cory Gardner from Colorado, and John McCain from Arizona. But the bill's backers face an uphill battle in convincing congressional leaders that the moment is ripe to take on Trump, who would probably veto any sanctions. In terms of Bob Mueller's investigation into whether Trump's 2016 campaign colluded with the Kremlin, there are a few new developments— A former aide to Trump confidant, Roger Stone, who is very enmeshed in the scandal, has been ordered to testify before a grand jury that's been convened by Mueller. The aide, Andrew Miller, tried to block subpoenas from Mueller's team, but a judge rejected his challenge and ordered him to appear. Mueller also wants to interview Russian pop star Amin Agalarov, 
who helped set up that June 2016 Trump Tower meeting. Agalarov's lawyers say conversations are ongoing about making something happen. But even as the Russian tries to set up an interview, Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, says Trump's team will decide whether or not to grant Mueller an interview with the president within a week to 10 days. He added that they're still considering declining any sit-down altogether. And former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort appeared in court for day three of his federal trial in Alexandria, where he's being prosecuted by Mueller's team. Jurors heard from Manafort's longtime bookkeeper, who talked about her former boss's seven-figure lifestyle. It lasted until about 2015, when the cash ran out, the bills piled up, and he and his business partner began trying to fudge numbers to secure loans. That was because his patron, a puppet of Putin, was forced to flee from Ukraine to Russia after a popular uprising in Kiev. That led to snowballing financial problems. As the government made its case that he had income which he wasn't reporting or paying taxes on, prosecutors showed more evidence that Manafort spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on landscaping, including a flower bed in the shape of the letter M, his last name. He also spent 20000 bucks on a karaoke machine for one of his homes. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Friday. Number one, Tennessee held its primary elections last night. Former House Budget Committee Chairman Diane Black, a powerful player on Capitol Hill, was the overwhelming favorite to win the governorship when she launched her campaign a year ago. But she finished in third place in the primary behind two rich businessmen who have never held office. Black, who is independently wealthy as well, is the fifth House Republican this year to lose a primary for higher office. It's another proof point that 2018 is a change election and that conservatives in the Trump era continue to disregard governing experience as they look to upend the status quo. Former Nashville Mayor Carl Dean won the Democratic primary for governor. Number two, the National Archives says it won't be able to produce until the end of October even the limited set of documents requested by Republicans from Brett Kavanaugh's tenure in the George W. Bush White House. Yet in a dramatic break with precedent, Republicans indicate that they plan to rush forward with his confirmation hearings next month, even without crucial materials for review and vetting. The GOP is nervous they could lose their majority in November, and they're determined to ram through a very conservative nominee who would never be able to make it through if Democrats are in charge. So they're trying to hold Kavanaugh to a lower standard than Elena Kagan and many previous nominees. They're also worried a delay in document production could give red state Democrats, like Joe Manchin or Heidi Heitkamp or Joe Donnelly, a reason to wait on saying how they'd vote on Trump's nominee. Meanwhile, Kavanaugh continues to make the rounds on Capitol Hill, and he's been opening up about his judicial philosophy a little. In meetings with Republican senators, he has said he respects precedent but also that he is aware long-standing precedents sometimes should be overturned. He's been citing Plessy v. Ferguson, which created that awful doctrine of separate but equal. But for a lot of Republicans, it's code. It's big because Kavanaugh is suggesting to senators that there are precedents on the books which ought to be rejected, and he's not saying it, but Roe v. Wade is one that a lot of Republicans would love to get rid of. It's another indication that Roe really is in jeopardy if he gets confirmed. If Roe is overturned, a new story from the AP this morning says that abortion rights advocates anticipate 20 or more states would ban most or all abortions. Number three, Ivanka Trump, the first daughter, broke with her father on two high-profile issues during a public event on Thursday, family separations 
and his relationship with the media. Here's what she said about family separations. That was a low point for me as well. I, I feel very strongly about that. And, um, and I am very vehemently against family separation. Ivanka, who is a senior advisor in the White House, also disagreed with her father's characterization of the media as the enemy of the people. Her comments underscored the difficult balance Trump has tried to maintain as she works to preserve her popularity with college-educated women and her relationship with her dad. Last month, she was forced to shutter her fashion line largely because sales had dried up. Meanwhile, Ivanka's brother, Donald Jr., compared liberalism to Nazism during the premiere of far-right filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza's new documentary. The documentary with the title Death of a Nation, Plantation Politics and the Making of the Democratic Party compares Trump to Abraham Lincoln. D'Souza, who illegally used straw donors to contribute to a New York candidate for Senate, was recently granted a full pardon by the president. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, August 3rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.